Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 130 of the Peristyle Podcast. A little milestone for us. Today is August 11th, 2010. We are about a week into USC fall camp, so we've got a lot to talk about all throughout the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call us on our new voicemail line. The number is 206-888-6755. Leave us a, mo- a voicemail. We actually introduced this number last week on the podcast. We've got a few voicemails to play for you, so we're excited about that. And we're excited about having Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment, all the way from Catalina yet again. Coach, how are you? Buddy, I'm doing great. I'm in and out of here. You know, I get my morning workouts by, uh, you know, well, I can't tell you what I do, but I'm just getting ready to play, okay? <laughs> and... <laughs> But it's great to be here, and we're getting closer and closer to the football season. Uh, I've got to leave the island today for three or four days, and I'll be back again. Then I'll be coming back, and then I'll be hitting practice regularly to get ready for the season and get updated on exactly what's going on with the Trojans on the field. But right now, obviously, I'm anxious to talk about football with you, and uh, I understand that the uh, people calling in has been tremendous, and I appreciate their interest in our podcast and i just want to thank them yeah we thank them and we'll get to play their voicemails i think it's a it's cool i like reading emails coach but it's fun to listen to what some of the uh listeners have to say so we're we're looking forward to that we'll play as many of them as we can and uh, i want to thank our sponsor southern california tickets sctickets.com 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything concerts sporting events theater of course the upcoming usc football season Give sctickets.com a call. Uh, Coach, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been pretty fun uh, fall camp so far. We want to see you out there. But we got some general football questions, too. I want to read uh, first one. This is from TD. He wanted to know about the 9-on-7 drill when people talk about that. Sometimes it's called 7-on-7. Seven seven. I think USC calls it like team run. He wanted, TD wanted to know kind of what, what goes on with those 9-on-7 drills. Well, nine on seven would mean that the offense has uh, seven, the defense has nine, nine on seven, which means the back's got, has a guy he's got to beat on his own. Seven on seven means you have seven on seven, 11 on 11 means 11 on 11, five on five, whatever drill you're doing. Nine on seven means that you have a nine uh, defensive players and you have seven offensive players. And normally you work in your inside drills where you don't uh, go to the outside and so on, but you don't have any receivers to block for you and so on. So you're working inside drills, passing games, and so on, including working with your linebackers and covering dumps and screens and, and covering backs in the flat and backs down the seam and so on. So you don't have people just standing around. You don't want people just standing around. Maybe at that time you'd uh, take the, um, uh, the receivers and defensive backs and you go down on the other side of the field, you work a stock blocking or one-on-one. But blocking such a big, big part of the running game by the receivers. So many times you see the big play turn into a block thrown by the receiver. Obviously, it's very important that the blocks are, are maintained on the line of scrimmage and your blocks are done up there. But you normally see the big play happen when a receiver makes a big block or stays with his block down the field so that the back can make a move on the defensive back or secondary player and make the big play. So it's very important that receivers understand that, yes, they're receivers, but they also are blockers. And you've got to emphasize that, and you've got to practice that all the time. Otherwise, it doesn't get into their mind. They think just standing out there real pretty is all they have to do. They've got to come off the ball. They've got to block like heck. And they've got to understand that, you know, when, when it's run, it's run, and when it's pass, it's pass. And you've got to do them both equally and work on them just as hard. So 
it's just a term that you use, seven-on-seven, five-on-five, 11-on-11. And when you go nine-on-seven, obviously the defense has an advantage because you have the inside safeties. So, uh, you know, you have somebody trying to block them. So basically that's what that means. There's different ways of putting all these different drills together. We used to have what we call just the outside drill. Well, all we did was run outside plays and force the receivers to block the corners, and the corners knew that the run was coming there, and they were ready for it, and they had to come up and learn how to tackle because receivers today think they're all cover guys, and they're not cover guys. They're cover guys only when it's a pass, but they're also tackle guys when it's a run, and they've got to learn how to come up and tackle and, and put a shoulder into somebody and wrap up and so on. So you've got to emphasize both, not only with the receivers, but you've got to emphasize that with the corners because corners have got to learn how to tackle and play the run. All right, Coach, thanks for that. And just at USC to, uh, for, for UTD, at 7-on-7, seven seven, they usually do that on the main field, and it's all the skill guys, linebackers, defensive backs, uh, running backs, and they have the linemen do their one-on-ones at the same time on the side field. 9-on-7, it's a time for the quarterbacks and receivers and, defense and corners to kind of go one-on-one. So they throw on the main field, and it's really just kind of focusing on the run game. So the quarterback isn't all that important. They'll usually have, like, the backup quarterbacks running that. But it's really a chance for the running backs to go with their linemen trying to run through holes. And the defense, you know, for the most part, is all there trying to stop them. Usually it's the whole defense except for the corners who are doing one-on-ones with uh, the uh, wide receivers. That's basically what they do at USC. Um, Jamal has a question, Coach. He's a big Trojan fan, a fan of the podcast, and he wanted to know, do you think it's time for USC to run a spread offense, say, like Oklahoma? Can we dominate today in today's game with a pro type of offense? And he just felt that, you know, Kiffin's looking for explosive, game-changing players, but in the pro set, you can't get them all on the field at once. It's like playing with one hand behind your back. What do you think about USC moving to a new offense, Coach? Well, I don't think that's going to happen because they've uh, recruited quarterbacks uh, coming in for the post-style offense. Obviously, when you do have a quarterback that's a great athlete, and I was very fortunate at one time to have Randall Cunningham, which meant he was always a threat, not only running the football, but passing the football. There was a lot of times we would just call a quarterback draw. It was a regular called play, and he would get the first down or whatever definite situation where that play would work. In SC's offense, they don't have certain plays like that. They don't run options because their quarterbacks are not uh, the types of quarterbacks that uh, that run the football. They're basically NFL type of quarterbacks, and and uh, I think this is the philosophy that SC has. Uh, Stanford has it, but Andrew Luck does run pretty good. A uh, Cal plays this type of offense. Everyone is in playing Arizona State. Uh, everyone isn't playing the spread offense. And a lot of people think everyone's playing the spread offense. No, that's not happening. It's happening at, at schools that are uh, right now gifted with talented quarterbacks that can do both. And it really puts a strain on the defense, too. Because actually you have another running back in the backfield. You have an extra running back. And it's very difficult to defense when you have a quarterback that can run like a, uh, like a running back. And maybe sometimes better. Mazzoli could do that. Vince Young can do that. A lot of players can do that. Tebow was not a fast type of, of quarterback, but he was a very big, powerful type of quarterback that ran the option very, very well and also ran himself very, very well, especially down the goal line situation. So you've got to do and recruit to what your philosophy is. And the worst thing to do is try to do something you can't do. But if you try to do something you can't do or you don't have the personnel to do it, then you're beating yourself. You're defeating yourself. You've got to do things where your personnel fits into those schemes, whether it's offensively or defensively or whatever. And the way that currently the, the Trojans have been recruiting, and they are still recruiting that way, they plan on being a pro-style type of offense. They run a pro-style type of defense. They're going to run a pro-style type of offense. And they attract those type of players. I think that's one reason why... USC has such great receivers out there because they they know they're going to catch the football and they're going to run pro routes and they're going to prepare themselves for the NFL. And I think that's another reason why quarterbacks, great quarterbacks that want to play in the NFL will go to a school like USC or Stanford, these people that are running the pro attack. Why? 
because that's what the NFL is looking for. They're not looking for the running quarterback. Obviously, there are some that play in the NFL, but they're far and few in between. So I think that SC will stay with the pro type of offense. They'll always have great receivers, and they've got great tight ends, and they've got great running backs. And I think offensive linemen, too, have to learn how to pass block if you're going to play in the NFL. And a lot of these offenses that run these option offenses, their linemen never learn how to pass block because they never are required to do that much. Everything is play action pass. So I think SC will continue getting great players as long as they continue playing the type of plays or offense that and defense that the NFL scouts look for. All right. Well, Jamal, thanks for that question. And, uh, Coach, let's get to some of these voicemails here. Uh, here we go. Hopefully this works. Or I don't think there'll be any technical problems. We should get this rolling. Here we go with the first voicemail. Yeah, hey, Ryan, this is Bill Conther. Love the podcast. Um, what I do is I download it, download it onto my iPod and then listen to it while I'm taking my walk every, you know, on I guess it's usually Thursday morning when uh, when I get to listen to it. I'm hoping during the regular season maybe you'll expand it to two podcasts a week, maybe one on Monday and then another later in the week as a preview to the upcoming game. Uh, anyway, love the podcast. Hope you can do more of them and look forward to get, getting uh, number 130. Take care. Bye. Coach, they want us to do more podcasts. That's interesting. Uh, they, they, USC actually changed up the schedule this year, so they will be practicing on Sunday and have Monday off. So maybe we could we could change it around a little bit. I don't know, Coach. We'll have to talk about that in, the, in our backroom meetings. Well, we'll talk about that when we have our meetings. Okay, on <laughs> Sunday, we, we meet secretly, everyone. We have no media there or anything. We talk about what we're going to do. But, hey, if someone wants us to expand it and do things, we're here to satisfy all the Trojan fans and football fans. And, and I really appreciate uh, that type of voicemail message because it just encourages us to continue trying to do a good job and give you at least our description of what we think is happening. All right. Well, here's the next one, Coach. Uh, I think this one's coming from pretty far away. Hello, I enjoy your show. This message is for Coach Harvey Hyde. I have a question, two questions. The first question is, do you think that the coaching staff might use uh, Dylan Baxter as a starting tailback and perhaps Alan Bradford as a power fullback to kind of like diversify the backfield and actually use good talent? And second, the second question is, do you think that Ed Orgeron and the coaching staff might you know, designate two, one or two defensive linemen as offensive linemen backups because of the offensive line, uh, you know, depth. Thank you very much. I'm calling from Saudi Arabia. I'm a Trojan fan and Trojan alum. Thanks a lot. My name is Antonio. Take care. Wow. Now I'm going to tell you, Ryan, I'm going to tell you, that's a real Trojan fan. Antonio, you're going to be our center. You're going to form the huddle every week, okay? That's the type of guy we want on our playing field. Thank you very much for calling. And, uh, you know, I think he has a good question because, uh, uh, you know, I think he's got a good idea, too. I mean, I'm not trying to suggest that the Trojans do this, but I think Bradford's going to be an outstanding back this year. He's lost some weight. He's got great speed. This is the year that Allen should really turn it on and make it happen. Not that there aren't other great backs there, like C.J. and Mark Tyler, who I've been – waiting for him to blossom and so on. But I've been really impressed, and I told you this in the spring when I was at practice all the time, Dylan Baxter really did impress me as an overall type of back. And what I mean by that, he's not a big back, but he's big enough. He's a very quick back, and he's got great hands, and he's almost impossible to cover one-on-one in a pass situation. And I really believe that the USC offense can utilize this type of one-two punch where you have to stop a very powerful back like in Bradford and then have the opportunity of trying to stop. And don't get me wrong, Baxter can really run too and be a great pass receiver. And I'm not saying Alan Bradford doesn't have good hands either. But I'm saying I think it's a tremendous suggestion that you have. And I think that the Trojans will uh, will, dis- will look at this. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see this because... If when you throw a powerful back at a defense that they have to really hit hard to knock down, and then you throw in a very shifty back that can just uh, uh, go one way or the other laterally without even slowing down, then it really throws your timing off as a defense as far as how to tackle them. So I think that when you use two backs in these type of situations, I think it's excellent. Now, if you try to go farther, 
and you start using three, four, and five backs, then I think it's a negative. I really think it's a negative. I think you select your two backs and you utilize them for what you want to do. You do not have tendencies, though. What Alan Bradford does, Dylan Baxter's got to do. What Dylan Baxter does, Alan Baxter, uh, uh, Bradford's got to do. That means he's got to be on some drop-back pass. He's got to learn to block. He's got to pick up people. But yet it'll be a great threat as far as a receiver and giving it one-two punch with USC. And who knows if that's going to happen. That was a heck of a suggestion, Dylan. All right, yeah, thanks for that question. That was a really good one. And uh, all the way from Saudi Arabia at our first week. So, yeah, you can send a voicemail from anywhere. As long as you can call that number, it is the number is 206-888-6755. We thank you for that voicemail. We've got one last one to get to, Coach, on uh, like potential grad assistants and people that could kind of help out with recruiting. I think it, at this point, USC, I, I can't really push any envelopes. We'll let you hear the question as far as recruiting goes. Hi, this is Rich. Uh, I'm calling. I'm wondering if uh, I know with Sammy Knight and uh, Kerry Colbert coming on as graduate assistants, maybe that'll help SC in the recruiting. I was wondering if uh, you guys might think that people like uh, Willie McGinnis and Junior Seau, if they would come on, uh, they might help out recruiting as well. I know you have to be enrolled in the graduate program, so I don't know whether those two guys would do it, but uh, just a thought. Wondering what your thoughts might be on it as well. I think with Kerry Colbert and Sammy Knight, they've really got two good guys who are going to help out the team and recruiting. Thanks very much. Bye. So, Coach, there's a question on uh, getting some former Trojans as grad assistants. I mean, unfortunately, USC can only have two grad assistants at a time. Those are those guys are in there right now. Uh, former, you know, Trojans Sammy Knight and uh, Kerry Colbert. So it's good to have in there. I, I don't know if they need. Guys helping out with recruiting, that's one thing the staff does. I mean, they do a lot of things really well, but recruiting is one of them. What do you think about all that? Well, I think uh, Colbert and Knight will really help in recruiting. They, they both have not only great college uh, experiences at USC, but also NFL experiences. And I think they, that most players that USC recruit have the dream of playing in the NFL. I mean, that's the type of four- or five-star player that USC goes after, and that's why four- and five-star players go there to compete. Because they know if they can compete there every day against other four and five star players, they get better. Recruiting is the name of the game, and I have to agree that with you, Ryan. I think this is a great recruiting staff that Lane Kiffin has put together. I mean, with now Kenny Pollard out part of the staff, I think that that dots the I. I think he knows the priorities. I think he knows exactly what's important. Before you coach a lick, you got to have some players to coach. And I think that's really going to uh, help them. And I think those, these two guys, these two graduate assistants can really help. Now, as far as Junior Seau and William Guinness and these other guys helping recruit, they can't actually get involved and recruit, you know, as far as part of the staff. They just can't do that. You're only allowed to have so many active members out there recruiting. You can't have consultants. You can't have these different type of people that you're, you're limited to the number of coaches that you can have as far as actually part of coaching and recruiting. So you got to be careful with that. Now, as far as them, like Junior Seau, if he lives in San Diego and there's a linebacker at Oceanside and so on, and he goes to a high school game and he's sitting there with the parents and talking, yeah, you know, that's just conversation. Because people are going to come up and they're going to ask you, how are you? Gosh, I want to get your autograph, take a picture. That's my son playing out there. Boy, it'd be great if he could go to SC like you did and so on. Well, that's that's just common common type of courtesy and talking to people but you got to be very very careful not to allow boosters or past players or uh, uh, anyone alumni or anyone get involved in recruiting now if junior say and uh, say william mcginnis were teaching classes at usc sports management or so on then they're part of the staff at usc and if they're teaching classes yes they can be a part of recruiting because they are now a part of the academic world at USC and professors obviously can get involved in recruiting. When players visit the campus on recruiting weekends, they want to meet with the math teacher. They want to meet with the dean of, of the business school. They want to see what it's all about. And these people could actually get very much involved with the athletic recruitment of athletes. If they had past athletes teaching in certain fields at, at, at USC, now they've eliminated the PE minor there where in the past they had the a PE minor where these guys would be very qualified in, as far as teaching at USC. So they would have to fit into some type of academic world there where 
they would be able to teach. And if you are a professor, then you can talk to recruits when they come on campus. So that's what the NCAA rules are. And at this point, Coach, I don't think USC, like I said before, can push really any envelopes. They have to be – there can't be any exceptions right now. And I, I think especially before the appeals process, maybe after the appeals process, I mean, obviously they'll still be on probation. They'll still have sanctions. They're gonna, Everyone's going to be careful. And we've seen that kind of culture at USC lately, the first week of practice. It's really been tight. I mean, there's no exceptions to anything. People are not getting on the field. They're turning away guys like Chris Claiborne, you know, former USC players – the guy has a Buckus Award in, in Heritage Hall, and they wouldn't let him into practice because he wasn't on the list. I mean, they're not making any kind of exceptions, and I don't expect them to until this appeals process is over and they see where their fate lies. Maybe later on they can, you know, they'll they'll loosen up a little bit. But for at least right now, there's compliance people all over the place, and they are not loosening up at all. Now I'm not sure if this is an NCAA rule or if it's USC athletic department rule or a university rule that's been put in. But, uh, uh, you know, that's going to be a hard thing to do. You know, you can become paranoid when past athletes and past uh, people who have played at USC can't come to practice. And, you know, that was that was done before uh, at USC during a different administration, not the past, but years ago. And sort of alienated a lot of the players because they felt that they weren't welcome. So you've got to be very careful on how you handle that. You really do. And if it's an NCAA rule that part of their probation is this is the way it's supposed to be, then that's the way it's got to be. Now, if it's a university rule and so on, and I'm not questioning the president or the athletic director or anything, but I think you've got to leave uh, access for your past alumni players uh, to be a part of the university and to be at practice and to be there to motivate the young athletes who are there they want to be like them. And down the road, I think, and I don't know if it's part of the appeal process or whatever it is, but I think they've got to take a real look at that, especially if it's not an NCAA rule. You know, it's just something they're doing themselves. Because, you know, you know who is a agent and you know who is a past player. And past players basically just want to go to practice to say hi and see what's going on and talk to the coaches and levy their support. So I, I think you've got to be very careful on, on how you do that. I really do. All right, Coach. Well, thank you, and thank you to Cece, and thanks to all our voicemail and email oh, yeah. questions. Cece's over there in Catalina. Hopefully she's having fun doing some fishing or whatever she does. No, uh, she does fishing. Yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> she's going back with me today. We're going to get her groomed up for the weekend, and uh, she'll go back with me on the boat and enjoy it, and, and then she'll be back here on Friday with us. But I, I'll tell you what, we'll get into some real football because I'm planning on going to practice about four or five days in a row here as we get closer to game planning week before the University of Hawaii game, and we'll really get into that. But, Brian, I want to thank the people who email you and send these voicemail messages in and call that toll-free number or that number. Give that number out again because I love that today, listening to the voices, especially, who was it? Is it Todd? Was that his name from Saudi Arabia that called? Uh, for, yeah, the, for, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm blanking on his name right now, but, yeah, from Saudi Arabia. But the number is 206-888-6755. It's not a toll-free number. It's just a you know regular number, but if you have a – Free voice, I mean, uh, free long distance on your cell phone or your home phone or whatever. Just give it a call and it won't cost you a penny. 206 888 6755. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to play them on the podcast. And that's Cece giving out her phone number. <laughs> All right. Well, coach, thanks again. Thanks to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking more USC football. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the podcast. We have uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber on the line. Dan, they had a first two-a-day practice yesterday. I was down there in the morning. It was 
kind of a glorified walkthrough, just speed it up a little bit, and they used footballs. But the night practice, under the lights, it was you know eight hours or something later, but it seemed like it was pretty spirited. What what kind of was going on there? What was Lane Kiffin's theory on that whole situation? He said he's done this uh, everywhere he's been, and he likes the idea of having uh, you know eight forty five start in the morning and a six forty five start at night. Basically, it's. Uh, it's cooled off. He said they've had two meals between practices. They've had plenty of time to get their bodies recovered. And um, uh, just that cool, crisp night air uh, really kind of invigorates them. And, and he was absolutely right. They were ready to go. And uh, a, lot of gay, a lot of guys made a lot of plays. Um, it was, uh, it was it, you know, it gets a little cool. It's a, kind of an interesting day. You know, you're going from the, you know, the heat of the, you know, the, end of uh, the morning practice to uh, a nice cool you know crisp evening practice and uh, I thought I thought it worked really well I mean it, it's, a, it's a longer day but uh, it gives them more time to get ready for it and it looked like they were really uh, you know looking forward to the night practice uh, kind of liked it I think everybody was there was like okay this is a pretty good way to do things and then Lane said you know said it's really worked for him uh, in terms of, and this is something where he's, uh, you know, developed that on his own. That's not something that he's picked up, you know, with Pete or anything. This is, uh, is definitely not, uh, you know, he, a lot of his practice stuff is not like Pete's. Uh, and one of the things I'm seeing is I think what happened, we were talking about this last night, is USC developed more and more players and more and more depth the two-hour practices, the very quick uh, practices that Pete, you know, had been known for, I think started working against them a little bit because I don't think they got the reps. When you had four and five and, you know, six guys deep at uh, receiver at, uh, you know, you had four quarterbacks or you had five tailbacks, those quick, quick practices didn't get kids enough reps. I think it worked earlier in the years with Pete when you had uh, uh, one or two guys at a, at a position, uh, but I'm not sure. When I see it now, I think there's almost no way you can do practice with guys at positions where you have a lot of depth. Uh, and, and USC still does have that situation at, uh, say, tailback at uh, uh, wide receiver and things like that you really need to give them enough reps, and, uh, and Lane will do that. Lane is not locked into, we've got to get this practice over, we've got to go quick, quick, quick. And uh, there's a difference, and it's interesting to watch how this plays out. But, uh, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, the same old, same old. Uh, and last night was a good example. All right. Well, let's, uh, we got some questions, Dan. So let's uh, talk some football, get, you know, get the latest of what's going on down at USC. First one is a voicemail question. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we love them. 206-888-6755 is the number. Call us and leave us a voicemail. Let us know your name and where you're calling from, and uh, we will play it on the podcast. Here's the first one, Dan. Can you tell us who the top three punt return prospects are, including our freshmen, and also uh, what kind of drills they're doing now with our new special teams coach? And should our punt return and our kickoff return be more productive uh, with the talent that we have? Thank you. All right. He didn't leave a, a, a name, Dan, but that's the question there. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I would think um, uh, punt returns, I think we've going to be going with six, seven, eight guys uh, catching the ball, especially from the jug machine. Uh, they haven't really done the live punting to the, uh, to the receivers yet. Uh, Ronald Johnson jumps out at you. His hands have become, uh, you know, have become awfully good. Um, I, you know, we didn't get to see him yesterday because he was he spent all day rolling and, and running and, uh, you know, for being late. Dylan Baxter, but Dylan Baxter's presence, his his comfort level with the football, and his hands uh, is awfully good. He just catches everything, and he's got a way about him. Uh, you have to think he's going to be involved in it. Uh, they're letting Sharice Wright, uh, uh, you know, catch it and return it. Um, they're, uh, uh, and then the, the kickoff returners like C.J. Gable and Curtis McNeil and, and those guys, 
you have to start with, I think, Ronald and Dylan and see from there. Uh, but, but right now, I, I would I'd put those two at the, at the top of, of my list of, of uh, the top prospects to, to bring the football back. And in terms of, uh, of should there be, you know, improvement and, and all the drills they're doing, they're doing, you know, so many things, and it's such an obvious, because uh, uh, they start practice every day with special teams drills, and so much of the team is involved in it. There's so much teaching going on. They, uh, Coach Baxter does different things. They involve other coaches. Uh, uh, you know, they're working. They break it down, for example, where they work on different parts of it. You know, uh, just the uh, the punt block release or the uh, the punt protection release. Or they work on angles. Uh, they make it competitive. Uh, you see, even when they don't do the actual punting or uh, punt blocking, you see them run when, when they have the, the particular team, for example, as a group. And when they have them run up to the line of scrimmage or run up to the, you know, where they're going to kick the ball off from or whatever, there seems much more uh, discipline and kind of, you know, uh, it, they look more like a college team. They look more, you know, excited as a group. They look more intent. They look more like they really want to do this it's not just something oh we got to do it because uh, you got to kick the ball or whatever it looks like they really want to get a chance to to do it the way uh, I mean they've made it so important that uh, a kid could hardly not be part of that and get caught up in uh, uh, trying to to make it really go well we'll see uh, uh, you know it's it's uh, kind of overcoming a little bit of a culture where where you had to do it, but it wasn't the most important thing that USC football players were doing. Now they know it really, really matters. I mean, the other coaches will step aside. Lane will step aside, like yesterday morning, with all the attention that special teams got, and just let you know Coach Baxter take over. So uh, I think the kids know that it's important, and I think the thing that happens is this is a team, for example, last night Lane finally did admit this is, this team's faster than any of the other teams that, that, you know, he said the good teams even. This team's got more speed, more team speed, more guys that can run. And if you get into special teams and you've got more guys that can run than the other team, you should have an advantage. I and mean, it was one of those kind of advantages that you didn't think USC took as much, uh, uh, took as much advantage of as they could have because they had probably better athletes and, the longer they're out there on that field running, there's plays, you know, where you're running down punts or you're doing this kind of coverage or that kind of coverage. The farther they run on the field, the more you ought to have an advantage. That didn't seem to be the case in the past. I think it will be the case more now uh, that they're going to use their speed and their athleticism and try to take advantage of people because they probably do have, uh, with this team especially, uh, probably more guys that can run than, than most everybody they're going to play. So... Uh, but we're watching it play out. They're doing an awful lot of things. And some days you watch them and you just say, huh, I wonder what, wonder what Coach Baxter's thinking there. This will be, <laughs> let's see how this plays out. So uh, it's a work in progress, but it's an interesting, uh, uh, and, it, and it sure seems like it, it's a good thing for this group of athletes. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Dan. And we got some uh, traditional questions through the email podcast at uscfootball.com. Want to get to some as many as, these, as many of these as we can. We've got a lot of questions this week. Uh, JC wanted to know about Nikel Roby. Uh, we talked about him on previous podcasts. He might be a little undersized and wouldn't get a lot of that potentially could not get a lot of playing time at corner. I don't know if we said that, but that's, uh, that's what's in JC's question. He definitely is a little bit undersized, you know, watching the seven on seven tapes. He looks like he's really quick and scrappy and plays a lot bigger than he is. And I would certainly agree with that. How much of an impact do you think he can make and when might we see him on the field in the future? What do you think, Dan? I think right away, and I don't – the thing you don't even think about, unless you're lining him up by height or whatever, you don't even think about him as being undersized. You know, I don't think uh, – uh, he really looks to me like he's got uh, really long arms, strong, big, strong hands. I mean, when he grabs people, I mean, they're grabbed. They're down. Uh you don't get any sense uh, uh, that he's not big enough to play at all. Uh, it, it's not even a thought, you know, unless, uh, you know, you're 
uh, I, I don't. It's just because he's got. He there's a, uh, a a strength and quickness and athleticism about him. I mean, when he comes up in, in press coverage, for example, you get no sense that uh, that he's not big enough to play. So uh, uh, watching him play, the thought doesn't even you know enter your mind that he's not big enough. He he's a strong, tough, aggressive, athletic kid. It's kind of hard to believe that he was. Maybe it was his size, but that he wasn't ranked higher in the class, you know, in that in that last year's class. Uh, he, uh, I mean, I think they they consider him, uh, you know, very close to being a you know first team kid right now. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, with uh, you know T.J. Bryant uh, not being able to be there, I mean, he's pretty much stepped in to, you know, Nickel the Nickelback, and uh, I just think. Um, I think you're going to see him play. He can play. It just size doesn't absolutely matter at all in his case. He can run. He can jump. He can hit people. Uh, he just looks solid as can be. He's he's a he's a heck of a recruit. Uh, they, they got. I mean, I think Monty. Uh, everybody says Monty had him on you know the top of his list and, and went out of his way to to get him. And I, Monty made a heck of a call there. I think uh, I'm, I could not be more impressed with the with a freshman uh, cornerback than, uh, than you are with Nickel and size doesn't, is no part of it. All right. The next one, Dan, we got uh, Cameron wants to know, how has Hayes Pollard looked in practice so far, and is he likely to redshirt this season? Good question. I think he's looked very good. He looks like he belongs. He looks like he's in the mix. He doesn't uh, exactly look like a freshman. Uh, he's gotten plenty of, of, you know, chance to, to, you know, fit in there. Uh, I thought he had the biggest hit of the, uh, Sunday scrimmage. Uh, he, he got squared up with, uh, uh, Rhett Ellison, 245 pound, uh, Rhett, who got a little bit of a head, head of steam up after catching the ball down the sideline. And, uh, Hayes just whacked him. I mean, just eliminated hitting you know just one of those hits from the far sideline that you thought you know it sounded like he you know chopped the tree down and uh uh very impressive hit so but i've been watching him more and, and and just trying to you know keep an eye on him and he surely looks solid uh i mean i think they'd probably love it if they didn't have to use him this year and they might not uh but uh but i surely think they could i i i think Everybody's been pretty pleased with uh, with his ability. Like a lot of the freshmen, he just has seemed to be able to step in there, and they they don't look like freshmen. I mean, I know there was always an emphasis on we can play the freshmen, we can or give them a chance, or this is, and we made a big effort of it. I don't even think they're exactly trying, you know, making this big effort just to let freshmen play because they're freshmen. They're just letting them play because they can play. Uh, it's, uh, but he's another example of a kid that you don't notice him as being a freshman or out of place or, or whatever. He just looks like he can play. But, uh, but I'm sure if they, you know, had their druthers and they didn't have to play him this year, that'd be great. All right. Well, Cameron, thanks for that question. One last one we want to get to, Jan. This is from JC. He wanted to know how the offensive line looked on Sunday from the numbers in the run game. This seems to be a big question mark going into the season. What do you think? How critical was missing Matt Khalil and Tyron Smith on Sunday? Well, uh, I, I, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it Tyron was missing? Uh, Matt was missing. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't think Smith. I wasn't there. I was out of town. Uh, but it was, uh, wasn't it, uh, Butch Lewis? Butch Lewis, yeah. Uh, so, Basically, they had three blockers missing. They also had Stanley Havili out, so you don't have a lead full black uh, blocker as well. So I think that's a little troublesome if, if it's that, at that point. I thought last night, for example, it was Matt Khalil's first return, and they looked much more able to do things like throw the ball deep, and having him there uh, uh, gives you uh, gives you the ability to uh, to do some things that you couldn't do. When he's not there, uh, uh, he just you know at six he's almost six seven. I mean he he keeps you know saying maybe he's not quite six seven, but when he stands next to the guys that are say six five, he he towers over them and he's holding his weight. Now he looks like uh, looks like what you always thought he would look like. He's his weight's holding at three oh five and. Uh, 
uh, I think uh, uh, you get him in, and then you get Butch Lewis back. And I know he was getting an MRI in his hip yesterday. We weren't, we hadn't gotten the result of that. But uh, if you get those two backs, you know, together, and then you get Stanley in there as a blocker, I think that changes the whole dynamic uh, of the uh, of the equation and gives the uh, the offense, uh, you know, a fighting chance against this front seven. This front seven is. Uh, Jarrell looks like he's Casey's playing really hard every day. Dejon Harris just shocks you sometimes at, at his ability to run and run people down and and being you know in the middle of the backfield and chase you know and pursue and and all of that. They really are athletic. And then you get you know Nick Perry and and Armand Armistead. I mean, uh, after practice last night. Uh, uh, Lane was trying to come up with a comparison, a body, uh, an athlete that he that he could think of that was like, you know, 6'5", 295, 300 pounds, like Armand. And he finally said, you know, he's like a, a, a Michael Strahan-type athlete. He said there's so few of them. And I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> he even mentioned a college player comparing him to uh, Michael Strahan. Uh, that tells you what they think of Armand. So they're, they're trying to block these guys every day. And uh, I think it's going to do nothing in the long run but help the offensive line. But if they're not all there, if they don't have all their pieces in place, it's, it's difficult as it was Sunday. But I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't overly uh, uh, factor in Sunday uh, because of everybody not being there. Uh, and I do think uh, they made significant progress just, with Avili and uh, and Khalil last night, you could tell that the offense that gives them a chance to have uh, have a standoff. It gives them a chance to have the quarterback throw the ball under a little more uh, under a little bit less pressure and and uh, and what have you. But it'll, I mean, I think creating the seams, if they can create some seams running the ball against this uh, uh, defensive front they're going to be able to run it against just about anybody. So um, this is probably, you know, gives them a good chance to, to really, uh, you know, see where that offensive line is and, and, and push them to be as good as they can be. But uh, it's probably the key question coming, you know, through camp is uh, are they going to be able to run the ball when they have to run the ball and when they want to run the ball? Uh, I think no question. They should be able to throw it. They should be able to catch it. Uh, can they run it? That's uh, – We'll see. We will definitely see, Dan. Well, hey, thanks very much. And everyone, if you want to check out Dan's ghost reports coming up after every practice, he kind of goes through a timeline of everything that was going on. It makes you really feel – everyone's been loving him on the boards, Dan, and they, they feel like they've been at practice. So check those out on the Peristyle on uscfootball.com. And thanks again, Dan. Thank you, Ryan. Enjoyed it. Bye. All right, everyone else, back in 30 seconds, we're going to talk a little bit more USC football. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're joined by Brian Fisher from uscfootball.com. What's up, Brian? Are you catching up on your sleep at all? I'm trying to catch up on my sleep. It's been a busy couple of days uh, with the Yahoo Sports story going up, and then obviously had two days yesterday, so it's uh, been a busy day. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Congrats on that, uh, Brian. you got to check it out. Brian and Charles Robinson uh, had a story go up on Yahoo talking about some of the stuff that was going on at North Carolina, more NCAA investigations. I think I don't know if USC fans are happy about that. I guess it takes some of the uh, the focus off of USC, but there's a lot of other schools seem to be getting involved in this with the agent stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big problem across the NCAA, and, and they're really kind of focusing right now on North Carolina and the connections between an L.A.-based agent and Gary Wishard. Uh, you know, Kintuan Barmer's name has been uh, definitely surfaced in the last couple of days. 
uh, Marvin Austin at North Carolina. So it's a, a growing probe by the NCAA, and, and I'm sure USC fans like to see that uh, the NCAA is concentrating on someone other, other than themselves. But uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a major problem, and the NCAA is starting to uh, uh, correct it. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I wanted to get your impressions yesterday. Uh, I talked to Dan Weber in the last segment a little bit about it. Uh, they had uh, two days. The the more it wasn't a traditional two days. There wasn't any hitting. I mean, really, it was just kind of a, a glorified walkthrough in the morning. But they did have a spirited practice at night with uh, under the lights, and it was kind of a crisp, cool air out there. What did you think about Lane Kiffin's new policy about the two days and how they're running it? I liked it. And, you know, he said it was more of an NFL style, and I can certainly see how that was. I think the time in between practices, although it wasn't, uh, although the media members weren't thrilled with the, you know, <laughs> extra free time, uh, you know, I think the players were just because, you know, it does give them time to rest. Uh, you know, it gives them time, you know, to sit in there with the coaches and break down that film, uh, you know, from the night before or, or just really any film that they want to look at uh, and, and learn things that way. Uh, in addition to giving their you know their bodies some rest, which was obviously you know a huge concern when you, when you're talking about a team that's uh, you know down to 71 scholarship players, you got to get that rest in there. You got to get uh, you know be relaxed. And and when the guys came out, you know they you know they were excited about playing under the night you know the the lights. It was uh, there was definitely a vibe, I guess, from from everybody at the uh, at camp that hey you know this is fun. Let's 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 do it. This is two a days. Let's get after it. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit chippy out there. You know, several guys were, were uh, you know, talking a little trash. And, and uh, you know, I remember Bryce Butler, he scored a touchdown, celebrated a little bit. David Osbury did the same thing. So it was good to see him get in there. And, and it was uh, a nice, cool day. But uh, it was, uh, you know, everybody was a little fired up, though. It's a far cry from the uh, Junction Boys where they're, you know, running yeah. on rock fields and no water and stuff like that. I mean, Lake Kiffin knows there's 71 guys on scholarship after they gave – Abe Markowitz a scholarship last week, and uh, yeah, congrats to Abe by the way. That was a really cool thing that Lane Kiffin did. Yeah. And uh, but you know, it, it's he knows that he has limited numbers. He can't afford to get a two-three offensive lineman go down because it's really going to hurt this team. Yeah, I mean, you you look at like Butch Lewis, who's going to get an MRI pretty soon, uh, and uh, Matt Khalil, who's just came back. You know, you got to manage your guys to where hey. You know, we got to be physical. We got to get ready for for hitting during the season. But at the same time, we got to be protective of ourselves because, let's face it, depth is the biggest issue facing this team. And and if they're going to be successful during the year, managing depth and kind of managing those injuries is going to be uh, really Lane Kiffin's number one job this year. All right. Well, let's get to some of these questions here. We got some questions from fall camp uh first one usc may lose some defensive linemen this year to the nfl draft probably referring to jarell casey i was wondering how defensive ends james boyd and kevin green are progressing uh how have they been doing in fall camp so far and also about markeith ambles uh in the scrimmage how was he he had no statistics listed for him thank you that's from sam yeah, I mean, uh, I think when you talk about the defensive ends, and, and I and I talked with Ed Ordron uh, last night, um, you know, I, I think James Boyd is is not quite there yet in, in terms of maybe playing and kind of making an impact. Uh, you know, you got to remember he just got moved there, you know, this fall from quarterback, and uh, you know he's going through some summer drills, but he still needs to learn, uh, you know, some of the, the nuances of the position, get a little bit stronger. He dropped some weight when he played quarterback. He needs to get that back up there. Uh, and, and really just kind of concentrate on one position after being moved around so much, uh, you know, when he came in to USC. So he, I think he's still a little bit uh, away from playing. Kevin Green really had one of the highlight plays last night when he uh, he tracked down C.J. Gable from behind. Gable kind of got into the defense and kind of busted it out and uh, looked like he was on his way to score. He turned on the Jets, and then Kevin Green came out of nowhere, took a great angle, and really tracked him down and brought him down right before the goal line. So uh, he was very impressive, and, I, and I've always thought with his speed and his size that he could maybe be a situational guy where he can come in either rush the passer uh, or you know possibly drop into coverage. And, and as you saw uh, last night with uh, you know really track the guys down with that uh, speed. But uh, again, those are two young guys, and he, the, I, I don't think they're quite there yet in terms of, of maybe making an impact or playing. Uh, you know, another year under Ed Ordron, we'll see. 
they they just need to learn the kind of the nuances and the, and the little things about playing defensive end uh, before they can make a contribution for the Trojans. And then, of course, uh, Marquise Ambles, one of the more impressive, I would say, freshman wide receivers. If I had to, I guess, stack them, stack them up one, two, three, I, I would actually put uh, Ambles maybe as in the number two guy behind Kyle Prater just because he has flashed good hands. Very, you know, he, he's uh, he's smooth when he runs a route and and can really snake through the defense. And you know, Robert Woods has been very impressive as well. Definitely showed the speed. Had probably his best practice day last night uh, at the end of the two a days. And uh, all three of the freshmen really contributing. And, and Ambles has stood out. Uh, he just needs to learn the offense. I think that's going to be the deciding factor between all of the uh, the wide receivers. Who knows the offense the best and can get out there and show it. All right. Well, thank you for that one. Um, that was Sam's question. Kevin had a question about some transfer rumors. So there is a Miami wide receiver. He's a he's a good return guy for Miami. Theron Collier. Uh, there's some rumors about him transferring to USC. And also he mentions Bryce Brown and Aaron Douglas. It looks like Bryce Brown's going to end up at Kansas State if he hasn't already. I haven't checked on that. But Aaron Douglas, there were some rumors before, the former Tennessee offensive lineman who's now at JC in Arizona. Um, there was rumors before about him coming to USC. They've kind of resurfaced again. Maybe kind of talk about a couple of those guys. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Therion Collins, uh, I, I think the the reason these rumors got started was he, he posted on, I believe, his Facebook page that he was going to go to USC. Um, you know, you don't know if you know, possibly maybe everybody took him out of context. Maybe he was meaning USC as in Southern Cal- uh, uh, South Carolina. You never <laughs> Maybe that was the, some confusion there. But um, there, being dismissed from a Miami team, I, I don't know if, if Lane Kiffin wants to maybe bring that, I guess, pressure in on, on, on taking a guy who was dismissed from a team. Uh, you know, you also got to keep in mind that just because one kid wants to go to a different school uh, doesn't mean the coaches at the school want to take him in. So uh, it, it's just rumors at this point. Um, you know, nothing's official until it's announced. And I, I, I'm sure uh, like a lot of kids that, that, you know, that want to come to USC and be part of uh, this this program that, um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on character and whatnot by the coaching staff. So we'll see how uh, everything sorts out. But uh, at this point, all I've heard is it's just rumors about Therion Collins. When you talk about Bryce Brown, his, his uh, transfer was denied by Derek Dooley, so they're going to go through an appeals process. Um, if he is going to go in, anywhere, it's probably going to be joining his brother Arthur at, at Kansas State, like you just mentioned. Um, I think that one, I think USC is definitely out of the running on that one, which, um, you know, given, given everything that they've gone through with uh, Bryce Brown, maybe it's, it's good not to have a. Not only another running back uh, coming in, but uh, someone who who kind of has a prima donna like um, recruitment process uh, so far. So uh, probably good. And then you know Aaron Douglas. Uh, I know the staff has been interested, and he he's very he speaks very highly of the staff whenever you speak with him. Yeah, uh, he was very uh, very complimentary to James Craig. So that could be a possibility. Definitely, he's over in Arizona at a JUCO. Um, and they, they might definitely try to go go after him because they do need depth in that offensive line class coming in next year. I mean, he's the guy that probably makes the most sense for USC, I would think. I mean, when you if you're going to take a chance on anybody at this point, it's probably going to be on the offensive line or defensive tackle or something like that. But, you know, we've talked about this before. USC that can't really draw any attention to itself, uh, you know, any kind of negative attention. So if you're bringing in a questionable guy, I think that's just going to, you know, they don't want to upset the NCAA anymore, especially before the appeals process. I mean, they really are trying to do whatever they can to keep their noses clean. So if you bring in a guy that was dismissed somewhere else, I I just think that's a red flag. And I think, you know, if if you're talking about a long-term thing for a program, bringing in a guy with only one or two years to play, I don't, especially at the wide receiver spot, I don't think that helps you as much as maybe developing a Robert Woods to be a not only a wide receiver but a kick returner or, or a punt returner. You know, developing Marquise Ambles as a punt returner. I, I think you would rather see that. You know, they talk about it in baseball that homegrown talent. Um, you know, I think if you can get those freshmen who have flashed a very impressive skill set and, and get them playing, get them that experience as freshmen or or maybe a redshirt freshman. Uh, I think that's better than taking on a, on a transfer. So we'll see what the coaching staff wants to do. But uh, at this point, again, it's just uh, just rumors. All right. Well, let's uh, get to – we didn't get a lot of recruiting questions this week, but we do have one uh, on Anthony Wallace. 
and uh, what you know what he's thinking about USC right now. If there's any visits set up, things like that. Maybe kind of give a little description of Mr. Wallace, and uh, that'll be our last recruiting question for the week. Yeah, you know, anytime you speak of uh, Anthony Wallace, he had uh, he had came to the uh, Rising Stars camp, and that was kind of the, really the the staff's first look. He had, he's maintained um, really a, a high interest in USC, which you know you know coming from him is uh, you know that's good. He's one of the top players in the uh, the country, and uh, you know certainly being a Dallas guy from the same high school that uh, Michael Morgan went to, it might be a uh, gives people a lot of thought that maybe he'll he'll follow in his footsteps. But from what I've been hearing, uh, USC, although they've been recruiting him high, he's kind of been looking around at some other programs. Uh, USC is probably still in his top five. Um, one thing to keep in mind with Wallace is, um, you know, one of his good friends is Chris Barnett, who's a tight end from the Dallas area as well, very highly re- regarded prospect. Um, you know, he was originally committed to OU, uh, kind of opened things up again. He tr- just actually transferred high schools uh, for the third time in about two years. Um, but, uh, you know, they're very close friends. So uh, a lot of people think it's a, possibly a package deal between those two. I don't think that completely, but um, those two probably will take a few visits together. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they come back out and do take an official visit to USC um, at some point during the season just to check things out. Um, but, again, I've just been hearing that uh, – there are a few other people that uh, maybe the interest in USC is waning a little bit with Anthony Wallace. All right. Well, yeah, with fall camp starting, Brian, we haven't really had a lot of recruiting stuff going up. Gerard put up uh, the target list. So if you want to check out uscfootball.com, we try to update them monthly, the offensive and defensive target list. But there have been a couple questions on the, the peristyle, and I, I think it really has kind of died down a little bit because there was so much focus on fall camp. And I think even the coaching staff, just wanted to get some football in, you know. This is a, a tireless yeah. recruiting staff. I mean, they're always recruiting, but I think with all the negative, you know, energy out there, they just really wanted to kind of get fall camp going. So that's really what the focus has been on in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely, and, and you also can think that uh, you know, towards the end of, of July, you know, the coaches were took a little vacation, uh, you know, a week or two here or there. Uh, Lane Kiffin really didn't. He, you know, he's one of the few coaches that kind of stayed. Uh, stayed back as much as possible, but they do love to recruit. I, I, I certainly know that Ed Orgeron is getting things fired up again. And um, but at the same time, you're right. They they want to get back out there. They want to play a little football. And and right now that their focus is so much on this team. Uh, you know, it's really uh, encouraging to watch it. You know, if if you uh, end up seeing the the practice, they're very focused on, on the little things and, and helping this team. I guess. Uh, get prepared for Hawaii, which is only a few weeks away. And so uh, the recruiting will come in time. Uh, you know, if you're a USC fan, it's one of the, the biggest recruiting staff, you know, greatest recruiting assembled staff. You have Kennedy Pola, who's, uh, you know, shortly going to take his test to where he can start recruiting. He was a guy responsible for bringing in a lot of talent early in the Pete Carroll days, you know, Ed Ordron, of course, and uh, some other good recruiters as well, plus Monty Kiffin. So uh, very talented recruiting staff. I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, about them them turning the the, the switch and, and getting things going uh, getting pretty quickly. And I think they know, Brian, we've talked about this offline before. This, I mean, this team right now, you know, if they can start off on a roll, and uh, Ted Miller had a good piece on ESPN just, you know, talking about this team really could end up, you know, starting off 6-7-0 and, and, and heading into some tough games. But you get some momentum and winning some games. This is really the year for this USC team to do well. And because of the sanctions that are coming for, you know, the looming sanctions and the limits on scholarships, it does kind of handcuff Lane Kiffin a little bit and the staff as recruiting wise, but having a, a winning season this year, I think would send a huge message to recruits that, Hey, the NCAA slapped us down. We still won football games. And even though it might be tougher to win games in the next couple of years, if they can win a lot of games this year, it could probably ease the, the pain of those sanctions and get some of those recruits that, might have been wavering to see, wow, USC's still winning. I want to go there. I mean, I think it could really help Lane Kiffin in the future. I agree, and I think the biggest thing this year is the schedule really sets up for him to uh, to be successful. I mean, you you talk about all the games that uh, are really really tough. You know, the Oregon, the, the Notre Dame, the you know the tough games in the Pac-10 are really going to be at the Coliseum. You know, you're going to have a tough road schedule with uh, Stanford on the road and, and Oregon State on the road, which is not on Thursday night, which is good. But 
Um, you know, I think the schedule sets up to where, yeah, they can be successful. And if they do get on a roll early on, you know, I fully expect them to kind of blow through their non-conference schedule. Um, you know, if they can come in, make some statements uh, early on in the Pac-10 schedule, uh, those recruits will come calling because they understand that this USC is a very talented team. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are, are looking to see how Lane Kiffin manages the team, if he can you know, really indeed coach. I think that's one of the, the, answer, the questions that could be answered early on, and that will mean uh, the recruits will come back. All right. Well, Brian, hey, we appreciate all your insight on the site. And uh, congrats again on that Yahoo story. We'll be looking for more info on that. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. No problem. Sounds good. Everyone else, you are listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Again, if you have questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can now call us, 206-888-6755. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 